When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, what's good? It's Black Trey, and I got a show called Growing Up the Same with Jason Madison, where we talk to guests about their childhood memories that I'm sure everyone can relate to. You even get some life advice at the end. Our show has featured guests like Dom Kennedy, J.J. Reddick, Baron Davis, Brian Koppelman, Bomani Jones, Mina Kimes, and many more. Be sure to check us out on the Black Opinions Matter feed under the Count the Dings Network. Oh yeah, and don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe, rate, and review. And also subscribe, rate, and review to the separate Growing Up the Same feed. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros. Of course, I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazni Lambray. My man Nando Vila is on a Spanish vacation. He's traversing from Madrid to Barcelona to Ibiza. He's he's doing everything in between. This man is on a jaunt, as they say. So we wish him all the best on his vacation. But luckily for us this week, we have an amazing, wonderful stand-in. My brother, Ben Burgess. What's going on, big dog? Hey, thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. Of course, man. Um, honestly, you know, this being the one-year anniversary of the passing of our brother Michael Brooks, um, and you're somebody who I was fortunate enough to meet through Mike and who I'm proud to say I've been able to develop a friendship with um, because of that connection. Um, I thought it would be a good time to have you on, and we could discuss Mike and his legacy and, you know, the the everlasting impact that he left on this earth towards the end of the show. But first, honestly, I wanted to have you on because right now the biggest thing happening in politics is what's going on with this infrastructure bill. Uh, basically, are they going to do it bipartisan with the fake centrist Republicans? Are they just going to ram it down their throats as they should? This, that which is what the Republicans would do in their the, the Republicans would be like, let's let's go out of our way for a compromise with the Dems. They'd be like, oh, we can do this by ourselves. Fuck out of here. That's like whatever. We don't. We we'll get into that. But um, I did want to talk to you because I just you know I'm interested to know how you feel as far as how they've gone about selling this thing. Like that day that Joe Biden has his grand pest conference in cinema and mansion behind him to almost signal this will be the worst bill possible. <laughs> right. Um, to, you know, Bernie coming out and being like, listen, man, this thing needs to be three and a half trillion dollars. And we need to ram a bunch of goodies through this thing for our people. You know, I'm interested to see, to, to hear your thoughts on the delicate dance that these guys have been playing with the infrastructure bill. Yeah, I mean, I, there is a lot of very good stuff in this uh, as as proposed. Like, uh, I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see what ends up happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if it does go 
go bipartisan, then obviously, you know, it would get a lot worse, you know, if, if that, if that's how that, you know, that's how that works. Uh, but, uh, but right now, um, you know, I mean, it doesn't like it's, yeah, I mean, some of the, I mean, I, I hate that they do these things as, as tax credits, you know, like that, that's, that's how you have to, uh, <laughs> to do it all. You know, you can't just give people money, you know, it has to be, uh, but, uh, the, uh, the, the child tax credit's really good. Uh, the, uh, like that would, that would help people a lot. Uh, you know, I mean, certainly the community college stuff, I don't think they're actually, I think it's like a little unclear, uh, but I don't think they're going quite as far as, as what Biden said in his, his platform, which was that, you know, what community college could be free basically, but, uh, but certainly a lot more support for it. Um, and Hey, I didn't think that was going to happen at all. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just thought that's like, yeah, okay. That's something that like Democrats say when they're running for president and then they don't, mm-hmm. they don't actually do it. Right. I mean, Obama said the same thing at one point, you know, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean anything, you know, when it's on the campaign trail, but, uh, but there are, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff here. And if it actually happened, this would be great. Uh, I mean, I, I think that some people maybe on the left are a little too, um, I mean, I don't want to downplay, you know, the, the efforts of my, my beloved grandfather, Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as a budget chair and everything. I mean, obviously he did have a stamp on this, but like also uh, I think that sometimes maybe like on the left, we're a little too eager to say like, oh, we did this, right? Like, 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 I mean. you know, like, like we pressured, you know, we pressured like Biden and moved him to the left and that's why it happened. You know, it's like, no, I think it. I think that there's like more spending that's at least being considered and that has already happened in some ways just because like we're in a crazy unprecedented crisis. So like, of course there is, I mean, like even the, even the Republican negotiating positions as terrible as they are, like aren't, you know, they're even, they're willing to spend more money than they would have like two years ago. Yeah. And it feels like when, you know, the Dems come out and they have Bernie be the face of it. Like, look, you know, we could pass something for 3.5 trillion on our own. Right. Right. Which is a way of explaining to the Republicans, like, yo, y'all don't really have the upper hand here, right. for real. You know, I think that's what that that sort of show of force is to be, is like the the sicko, socialist, crazy, commie scumbag Bernie Sanders comes out and says, I'm, I want 3.5. You guys tried to peddle this 1.2 crap. I want 3.5. I think that's, you know, it's gamesmanship so on it's the like part that. of the... Yeah, so it's like we're gonna say, oh, you don't like you're not gonna work with us at all. Well, hey, I mean, you know, look, you know, hey, you know, we can just do the bill that Bernie wants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, I love it. I, I love the idea that they're positioning Bernie, the the Bernie Krats, as the only alternative to this bar- bipartisan crap that yeah. they're trying to push. And you know, I want to talk to you about yeah. this because the bipartisan nonsense is literally what's holding it up. Um, the cinemas and the mansions of it all. And I remember reading a tweet thread from this Washington Post told me who's like, yo, you know why this is crap? Um, when the Republicans had control of the Senate, McConnell put stuff to a vote and was like, oh, Susan Collins, you're going to you're going to go against this Republican thing. Let's see you do it again and again. 
and again, right? Like actually put these people in a position where they have to give no votes to very important Democratic Party agenda items. Um, hello, that's how politics are supposed to work. Um, Joe Mitch, you claim to be a Democrat, Kristen Cinema, and all I ever hear about is party unity and this person was on the team and blah, 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 blah. Put it to the test. How many Democratic Party item um, agenda items are you going to personally throw yourself in front of and still curry favor within the party? Um, I would like to see Chuck Schumer lead. Uh, <laughs> Is that too much to ask? No, it's not. And I mean, the idea like that, oh, I mean, I understand saying that like what we would like to be true about like Manchin, that like he could be there could be some like wonderful left wing, you know, like primary person who could, who could replace him, you yeah. know, like next time or whatever. That's probably not true. Mm -mm. Um, that lots of his constituents, you know, like that he's, you know, quote unquote independent and they, you know, might not have like the most progressive views on this or that issue. But like, I don't know the idea that infrastructure isn't going to be popular in West Virginia. Like that, that doesn't ring true at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And again, you, you're throw, you going to throw yourself, your body in front of the American Jobs Act right. in your poor ass state, Joe Biden. I mean, yeah, excuse exactly. me, Joe Manchin, like this, it just seems preposterous. A lot of this, I'm not going to lie, Ben, sometimes seems like a dog and pony show. Um, we saw it because it, it kind of just is, sure. um, hmm. we saw it with the, with the COVID spending plan where we did the dog and pony show about bipartisanship. And then it came down to, and Joe Manchin did do his tough talk about bipartisan and blah, blah, blah. And ultimately he ended up voting for it. But then the flip side of it, Mitch McConnell goes to Kentucky and brags about a thing that he voted against and says, look, you're getting money. Which is a you know a good thing, but it might be too much. But like he was so twisted, tongue twisted, because it's so obviously popular. It's so obviously what the people need and the people want. And all of these concerns about deficit and inflation is crap. It's not rooted in any data, it's not rooted in any research or empirical evidence, it's rooted in outdated. Econo like economist sort of orthodoxy from the 19 freaking 70s when we had a gas so shortage and it's, it's it just seems preposterous that these guys wouldn't do the obvious thing and reap the rewards of doing so obviously popular yeah do you uh do you ever read those rick perlstein books the uh oh uh, no i never i never have Okay, yeah. So uh, I've been very, very slowly reading the last one. It's like you know, it's like a phone. That's, book. Is that the Reagan joint? Yeah, yeah, Reaganland. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the one. Uh, and uh, and he he goes through kind of like the origins of a lot of that like conservative, you know, economic orthodoxy in the seventies, and you know, basically like the long and the short of it is they're making shit up, you know, that they had a, <laughs> like they, they, like there was this guy laugher who, who had, you know, this thing that became really famous, the laugher curve about supposedly what the relationship is between like, you know, taxes and productivity and whatever. It's like literally something that's like not based on a study or anything. He just like wrote it down on like a bar napkin or something. And it became, you know, it became a famous thing, you know? So, um, I mean, no surprises there, I guess, but I mean, it is, it is just kind of amazing to, uh, to read about it all. I mean, I, I think that, uh, again, whether this infrastructure bill ends up happening or not, I mean, they are going to have to 
Like, it's not because like we, you know, like we're so amazing and influential and we pulled them left or whatever. But I mean, I, th- I think just given like the extent of the crisis, given how bad things are, uh, you know, given that like some of the spending, I mean, like, like you just need like, just, just for the, like, I mean, forget anything else. I mean, just, just to get like, you know, the economy moving and, you know, and all that stuff, like you, like you really do need to do some of this stuff. So I think, I think that some of it's going to happen. I mean, I think the, I think the better question is like how much of this stuff becomes not just like, okay, we're going to do this for like, you know, this year or a couple of years, but like permanent program that people can really count on, you know, that like to help them, you know, like, you know, year to year, you know, like without, like, not just like to, to tie people over a little bit right now. And it makes you wonder why that's not the route. Um, I hate to get all conspiratorial about the Democrats and their leadership, but how can the route not be to put something in their hands, um, make it permanent and watch it grow in popularity, i.e., I don't know, Obamacare, which Mm -hmm. sucks, okay, and has done nothing but grow in popularity because it's so obviously helped people. Yeah, right. It so obviously helped people, and it was so unpopular at the time. But over the course of time, because you made, you know, you put uh, mechanisms in there that forced it Uh. to be more permanent, people were just like, yo, nah, we can't get rid of pre-existing conditions. We can't get rid of, you know, keeping my kid on on the um, insurance plan for longer than was normally the case. We can't get rid of all of this stuff, right? Um, it's, It's so obviously obvious what needs to be done and you know i feel like we often do these things in reverse and it's stupid meaning we try to come up with ways to change the hearts and minds and then be like that now we can do policy on it (laughs) because we you know we we won the hearts and minds of the the of our constituents instead of just being like no just do the policy and watch people get on board it happens every time Totally. And I mean, like the ridiculous thing about Obamacare was that so much of that stuff didn't even kick in for, you know, years, right? You know, after after it was after it was passed. Like like in a weird way, it's almost like Obama and Biden and all those guys back then, like you know, I mean it almost felt like they forgot that elections existed and that they were gonna have to like, you know, win the midterms and win the next, you know, presidential. Like, you know, like it just it was just like, oh, we're in power forever now, so we can we can do this. Um you know, we can do this like complicated technocratic thing that's hard to explain. And a lot of it's not going to even kick in until like long after, you know, the next election. Uh, and, you know, and it'll be fine because it'll be, it'll be good in the long run, you know, whereas like what you really want is, I mean, like you said about hearts and minds, I mean, forget, you know, if what you want is that like people can see directly that you've made their lives better somehow, you know, that like, oh yeah, right. You know, my, my cousin has a job now. You know, he wouldn't if, if you hadn't, you know, if you hadn't passed this, yep. thing. you know, my, um, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, about losing my, my health insurance now, you know, whatever, like that's the stuff, you know, I mean, that's the stuff that's actually going to win, uh, going to win the hearts and minds uh, is, uh, is, is making, you know, is, is delivering, you know, delivering material improvements to, uh, to, to people's lives, you know, I mean, that cause, cause you're going to people vote based on all the secondary stuff, 
like because they don't really believe that anything's going to change right. uh, in, in their in their lives. I mean that you know because like you might as well. And the secondary stuff being critical race theory, exactly. yeah. trans bathroom bills, etc., etc., etc. Like that's it's obvious what ends up taking the place of these bread and butter issues is the culture war crap. No, exactly. Like nobody's going to like people. I mean, look, maybe if you, if, if somebody like there are tons of people who might like believe some stupid bullshit that they're told about, like how, like, you know, you know, whatever, like, uh, you know, trans people, you know, use being allowed to use the bathroom is going to lead to like whatever horrible thing it's going to lead to. There are tons of people who, yeah, maybe they'd go along with that if they're told as like, Oh, okay. You know, uh, but, uh, but also, like they want to be paid more money. They also they want to have like you know healthcare and whatever. And at least if like there was a clear choice, like okay, which one do you care more about, right? Like 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 do you care more about the bathrooms or do you care more about having healthcare? Like then uh, you know I don't know that like we win every single one of those people, but like I think we get a lot of them, yeah. right? You know <laughs> like 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 if it really came down to it that like that that was clearly the choice, not like well. I don't really think that, you know, like a lot of people, I mean, I mean, even among Democratic voters, I mean, this is a huge problem. I mean, like in why did Biden win um, with the Democratic nomination? Uh, it's not because people liked his policies better than Bernie. I mean, they were like all like every one of those states on Super Tuesday, the exit polls said that most Democratic voters wanted Medicare for all. And Biden was the only one who wasn't even like pretending to kind of sort of be trying right. to square the circle, some Medicare for all who want it thing. So like, why, why did they go for Biden instead of Bernie? Well, I think most people don't really believe that anything's going to change mm -hmm. as a matter of, of voting because their whole life experience is that that's just not going to happen. And so they think, well, um, I'm going to vote based on like things that are more real to me because I think they might actually, you know, it's like, you know, if they think, you know, I mean, I think this is wrong. I think Biden just got lucky with COVID, but like, you know, but like if they thought that like Biden was going to be, you know, a stronger candidate to be Trump's like, well, okay, whether Donald Trump is president or not, that sounds like it might change, right? All this bigger economic stuff, probably that's not really right. going to change because it, it never has. I mean, it's the same thing with like the UK that like, you know, Jeremy Corbyn could give people uh, a Christmas wish list of like 20 things that all sounded great, right? And I'm sure most voters liked, you know, the idea of doing those things, but like bottom line, if what they took seriously was, okay, is Brexit going to happen or not? Right. Like that, that sounds like something that could really change. So I, I think that's a huge problem, even for, you know, even for democratic voters. And yeah, I think there are a lot of people who, you know, can like, if they basically think that their lives are going to be just as financially precarious as ever, you know, that there's that nothing's going to change materially for them one way or the other, then yeah, they'll hear the siren song of all this bullshit about like, oh, they're trying to, you know, teach critical race theory to your your kids. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the trans people are gonna be in the bathrooms, you know, like and, whatever. And by the way, they're right in the sense that nobody has delivered a goddamn thing for them yeah. as far as promises. Uh I know Barry has become a whipping boy on this podcast. Um, but the bottom line is this guy had enormous popularity. He wove rode in on a huge wave of enthusiasm and he delivered the most milk toast agenda that was possible under those circumstances. Like there was nothing ambitious about what he did. 
<laughs> nothing whatsoever. No. It was literally the most boring and scared versions of every single policy that he did, mainly Obamacare, right? Like it was just like, oh, a big give back to the pharmaceutical companies I'm, and insurance companies, excuse me. Uh, like this, you know, so when the people say, yo, I saw this already, I saw this song and dance, Bernie Robinson Pro Revolution, y'all remember Obama? Right, exactly. <laughs> or, yeah. hey, man, you could say to some Trump voters, you don't remember Trump cleaning the swamp, all of that? It's all bullshit. No, no, Trump, these guys. Trump these went guys. to West, West Virginia and said he was going to bring the mining jobs back. I mean, they're, they're, they're actually less now than they were then. Yeah. So, you know, obviously all eyes are on what's going on with the infrastructure bill. Um, obviously, I know you're watching it closely. I just wanted to keep the listeners updated as to where we were at right now. We're still in dog and pony show um, mode. We're not in votes counting mode when it comes to the bipartisan stuff or just being like, screw it. We're ramming this through via bu uh, uh, budget reconciliation. So you guys stay tuned. Which, with which by, by the way, nobody remembers this, but they could have done that for, for Obamacare, get the public option. Like, like that was like for for like a day that was being talked about. They could have passed it through record because because they ended up having to pass the whole thing through reconciliation anyway. But like the excuse for ditching the public option is they didn't have the votes. Right, to, we didn't have out. Joe cocksucking Lieberman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, you know, but like it was like oh, we don't have like 60, 60 votes for the public option, so we can't do that. We'll have to take that out. And it was like, oh, I guess we don't have 60 votes anyway, right? So we'll just pass the whole thing through reconciliation. And then, like, there was never really a good explanation for why the public option didn't go back in uh, then. And um, and I think Joe Biden kind of, like, you know, seemed to admit at one point that they kind of, like, given that up in early negotiations uh, anyway, you know, which which is just, like, whatever. I mean, the point is, like, I, I, guess, I guess the only point I really make here is just that um, – I think it's good, you know, that Biden's proposing all this stuff now. Uh, I, 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 I would love for this to be passed like as is, right? You know, but like, I, I don't know. I, I guess you just like, I, I don't want to ever forget how much these people suck. You know, like it's not, right. you know, they're they're not, you know. Um, Never underestimate the Democrats' opportune, um chance to miss an opportunity. They will. Always, 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 always do it. Um, so yeah, let's stay tuned for that and keep our fingers crossed. And there's no proper way to segue into our next topic, man. But um, you know, yesterday marked we're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. Yesterday marked the one year anniversary of the passing of our brother Michael Brooks, um, champion of leftist politics, um, man of the people, honestly. A uh, guy who dedicated everything that he was doing, put all of his gifts and talents into trying to advance the cause of normal working people at every turn. Um, you know, like I said, me and you became connected and 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 formed a friendship via our connection with with Mike. Uh, so I did definitely want to have you on. Um, I know you were on Majority Report yesterday, um, but just uh, just to talk briefly about if you will um just about mike and his legacy and the work that he was trying to do and the lessons that we could all take from it yeah i mean one one way of connecting the two subjects is um you know what i hate after a long day of work 
dealing with people, being stressed. I got to figure out what to eat that night. I don't feel like cooking, but I don't want to eat something that's bad for me like junk food. I want something healthy. I want to eat something that tastes good, and I don't want to work too hard or pay too much to do it. Well, guess what? What you really want, if you're like me, is Freshly. That's right. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. No cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain, especially right now. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week so you can keep your fridge stocked and skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. All you got to do is visit Freshly.com and choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better-for-you meals like steak peppercorn, sausage baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, preferences, tastes, and family size. Now our listeners can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night and start living life freshly. Your meals are always delivered fresh, never frozen, and are ready to heat and enjoy in just three minutes. With new meals added each week, Freshly brings the convenience of chef-made, nutritionist-designed classics right to your kitchen. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. That's Freshly.com slash B-O-M for $40 off your first two orders. Do yourself a favor. Get Freshly. You saw uh, there was something that was actually published in Jacobin yesterday, which is a um, which is an article that uh, that Michael, um, by the way, it totally doesn't matter. But this is interesting to me that uh, you and Nando are the only two people I know who call who called him Mike. Uh, everybody, else, <laughs> everybody else seemed to be Michael. I mean, even his girlfriend, I think, was say, you know, always said Michael, you know, but. Uh, uh, I think Mike, I think he insisted upon it. It was just, I just don't call anybody Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But, um, but yeah, he, um, he got, so two years ago, uh, he was asked to, uh, to write an article for, for Esquire magazine and, uh, they didn't end up running it, you know, but it was a, um, the idea of the article, uh, and this is where it connects to what we're just talking about, is that Trump had uh, had just uh, proposed these like huge cuts to uh, to to SNAP, uh, the supplemental nutritional system. You know, basically what mm-hmm. most people call food stamps. Okay. Yep. Uh, and um, and so uh, it was kind of a reaction to that, and it was you know got into some of his personal history and. I'm not totally, sh- you know, they, like I said, they kind of ended up, you know, they, they asked for it. They didn't end up running it. I think that it was probably like, 
I don't know. I, th- I think it was probably more like stridently socialist than th- they thought it would be, you know, like, mm-hmm. like originally. Uh, but uh, not uh, surprising. Not surprising. <laughs> you know, I, I think he probably talked more shit about Democrats in there than they thought he would, you know. But uh, yeah, and, uh, but uh, but I remember, like at the time, you know, I was, uh, you know, I mean, I did a lot of. You know, back then, you know, like when he was when he was writing something, you know, uh, like I I do a lot of kind of like editing and commenting. and would go mm-hmm. back and forth on it, and I and so he uh, so he was sending me that. I remember I was actually driving across country because this is when we we're uh, moving to Atlanta, uh, and uh, and while um, but every time I get a new draft of this thing, like 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 I'd, I'd like pull into a rest stop and read over it and send him comments, you know, cause I was excited about it. And, um, uh, and then, uh, and then yesterday, you know, I, I, I don't know, a couple of days ago, I was, I was thinking about that article again and I, I sent it to Bhaskar and he, uh, you know, talked to the family and got permission and he, you know, published it in, in Jacobin yesterday as like a kind of, you know, tribute on the one year anniversary. And in that article, uh, you know, Michael talks like there, there's some very like visceral personal stuff in there that that isn't really in anything else that's that that he wrote, you know, that I'm familiar with. Like like he, he talks about, you know, the experience of like being a kid and like, you know, he says when you get to be about like 13 or 14 and you start to notice stuff, you know, that you hadn't really noticed before. And and he, you know, get really self-conscious about being at the grocery store uh, when uh, the um uh, when, uh, when, when his mom would pull out the, the bridge card, you know, to, yeah. to, for the groceries and, you know, and, and kind of being like very aware of how people were looking at them or whatever. And, um, there's, uh, you know, Hey, I come from the era of actual food stamps where they gave you that <laughs> off color money to spend <laughs> at the store. Like literally you could see that it wasn't a dollar it was fake money like talk about ostracizing folks man it was so and the money was like orange it was like white and orange and stuff like it was i remember that distinctly going to the store and having to pay with those things yeah right um and and so like that's that's a lot of what the the article is about about the uh, the way um obviously the cruelty of the Trump proposal, but also, you know, also the way that, you know, back in the era when, when, when he was growing up and he's got some nice details in there about like, you know, being afraid that conservatives were going to ban Howard Stern and stuff like that, you know, but uh, he had, uh, you know, back in that era, you know, that, you know, that was like the, when like the Clinton Democrats, you know, were, were, were kind of demonizing, you know, welfare mothers and all that mm-hmm. stuff, just like Republicans. Um, and, um, and so it's a it's a really good you know yeah it's a really good kind of kind of piece about you know class politics but uh you know but also also very personal and and i guess one of the things that i think of the the most um i mean obviously you know it's it's a i mean it's it's really awful on so many different levels like i'm sure that you're feeling all this too you know that it's like and bottom line, like the sort of like first level is it's like, uh, you know, I mean, our friend is dead. That's incredibly right. sad. I mean, that's, that's just like, like on a personal level, that's just awful. Uh, you know, that, that we all thought we were going to have decades with this guy, you know, and, and, and we didn't. Um, but then like, 
Uh, but then like politically, you know, in terms of media and all that stuff, um, you know, I mean, I, th- I think one of the things that's maybe a little connected to that, you know, that I think about, you know, thinking back to, to him and what he was, you know, what he was so good at and all that is that, you know, he really like, whether it was this kind of domestic, like poverty stuff or, or the sort of sense of connection to, you know, liberation struggles, you know, in other countries, mm-hmm. um, you know, he felt all of this stuff on like a really, uh, visceral level you know like 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 this it, it really um you know like uh, the way you know everything that lula had done in brazil getting to meet him and all that stuff like that that really like meant something to him like like on a on a personal level and and so i mean i think he was just incredibly committed you know to to that political project but but i think he was also like I think I think one of the things that made him distinctive, and I mean this is gonna sound kind of funny, is just that like he was also just like really smart about how he pursued it and he and and he mm-hmm. would like um and unlike frankly a lot of people that I know who do this, you know, he would he would like he would like really think carefully about what he was gonna do before he did it, right? Okay, is this actually advancing this or am I just like reacting because I'm mad, you know, which is something that I think a lot of us aren't very good at. Yeah, 100%. I think that's the hallmark of the work that he was doing. Um, Because, you know, I I was nothing but a regular lib when I first met Mike. I wasn't thinking too deeply about the divides between what working people need and the agenda agenda of, say, the Clinton mafia, right? (laughs) They're just not aligned, you know, um, even though the Democrats are ostensibly what is allegedly the left party of this country, um, the needs of everyday working people are not aligned with the agenda of corporate Democrats. That's just is what it is. There's there's no there's no two ways about that. I think what what made Mike special was what you just articulated was his ability to sort of synthesize the issue and come up with a way that people could receive the message. Cause, and I keep telling people this, like there's a tendency on the left to care about who's the most well-researched, who's the smartest, who's the most right, right? Like who's the, you know, who's the biggest, baddest brain in the room. There's a tendency to try to go that route and completely ignore the concept of communication. Right. Um, effectively communicating your record. I mean, your um, your message, getting people to not want to tune you out. How do you do that? It's not by being pompous and being moralistic and being, you know, just a freaking know-it-all, right? It is by being funny and entertaining and doing impressions and com- coming up with characters and helping people engage with the subject matter um, in a way that isn't just, frankly, and I'm not trying to diss academics. Ben Burgess is my man. He's an academic. But we don't have okay. to approach it in some strictly academic fashion. There's a way to meet people where they live. Most people will not go through graduate level courses. Like, that. Like we can't position our, you know, sort of ideologies and, and, and how we feel through that academic ass lens which i think is generally 
the the sort of position and posture that people on the left take. And I think Mike, what his genius was, was that he eschewed that and said, no, we got to be more plain spoken to the people. Not that he couldn't do that academic stuff with the best of them, because obviously, no, he clearly he could. But he had a he had a such a keen understanding that to in order to advance the project, we had to be more thoughtful and intentional. I know that word is a buzzword these days, but Mike was absolutely definitional of that. He was intentional about every single thing that he did. He was deliberate. And, you know, that was his favorite thing. We can't be distracted. <laughs> we can't be distracted no. by these petty squabbles exactly. and dick measuring contests and all of that. We got to be disciplined. We got to stay on message. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that he, you know, and I mean, this is almost kind of why I want to like push back again a little about like the way that some people like the way that they've talked about him, you know, in the, in the year, you know, since he died, um, you know, they like, it's almost like, you know, there's this, there's this sort of way that I sometimes see people like portraying him, you know, like, like, like if I see like memes or something, you know, where they'll have like, I don't know, it'll be like a black and white picture and you'll have that quote about, you know, systems and people and all that stuff. And I like what people are trying to do and remember all of that. But like, I don't know. Sometimes I almost get the impression that some people want to make him like St. Michael or something, you know, it's like, right. the, uh, you know, like the guy, um, you know, like he had, uh, you know, I mean, you know, he had as many human flaws as anybody, you know, 100%. He, he had, you know, I mean, he, he was, um, I mean, the, uh, I mean, I'll, I, I mean, the, uh, you know, he, he definitely had an ego and was very funny about it. He, yes. Uh, uh, he, he did. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I remember, uh, you know, told the, the story that, uh, my show, but it's like, you know, last, uh, God, all before last, you know, I, I had, uh, I was in, um, you know, visiting a friend of mine, uh, from, from graduate school who was in, uh, living in, Brooklyn went out for drinks and I invited Michael out to join us. And like, you know, my friend's wife kind of drunkenly said something nice about Elizabeth Warren and they got into like such a huge argument about it. That was like <laughs> the problem, you know. With like, you know, working out with my friend, you know. And they, oh, you know, man. You know, so it's 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 like it's not uh you know, it's not like he was a bonus software or something. It's just that like it's just he was like smart and thoughtful about what was gonna help and what wasn't gonna help. You know, like which I mean I guess the reason I think it's worth emphasizing that distinction is that like you know, you don't have to be like a higher being or something. It's like we could all do that, right? Listen, like, we, we don't we don't need gods, right? Um <laughs> we don't need deities, right? Like we don't need Martin Luther King to be a deity, like we can take what made him um, great and what made him one of the greatest Americans this country has ever produced. But we also don't need to send a message like, yeah, let's have like 20 different thousand chicks on the road too. Like, I, I don't know that we need to do that, right? Like, he's a human being. He had his flaws. Like, yeah, I'm no, sure right. we wish he could have been more you know, sort of loyal to his wife and his family sure. and all of that. But like, that doesn't change 
the great things that the person does. People don't need to be, we don't need God figures. I would hope that people learned this lesson from the Obama thing where it's like, yo, we made this guy into a larger than life figure when really he's just a man. He's just a human being. And that's no different than Mike. I think he was a great person, but that doesn't mean he was perfect or you should model your freaking life after the guy, right? No, um, it's just about, yo, this is a lesson of a guy who made an impact and this is the way he went about doing it. And so, you know, we should learn the, the good lessons from that. Yeah, certainly shouldn't model your time management skills after him, but uh, he, uh, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think I ever met him for anything about, you know, the years I knew him that he wasn't late for, you know, but, I had, uh, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, like, so, so what I think some of what this meant in, in practice, you know, going back to what you're saying is like, uh, so yeah, I mean, when, when he was like, you know, texting me about somebody or texting you, I'm sure, you know, like, like, like he could like, you know, I mean, he could uh, like talk shit about people in private, like the best of them. I mean, you know, he, he, he was, I mean, you know, again, very, very funny and, you know, and, 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 you know, when he was doing it, but then like when he would criticize maybe even the same person sometimes on the show, right. He wouldn't, he wouldn't do no. that then because he was strategic, you know, he, he knew, right that like just like starting one of these like weird beefs that are like half political and half personal, which is like sometimes it feels like certainly like the far left, that's like all we've been doing since like sometime last year, you know, like that, uh, mm -hmm. like he, he, he knew that that wouldn't help anything that wouldn't advance any of the goals that he cared about. Right. You know, so, so what he, what he would do is no matter how mad he was initially, you know, about whatever it is, like when he went on the show, you know, he would give like the best, most thoughtful, you know, version of the critique. He would go out of his way to try to like find things that they were right about. And, you know, that he could kind of like give credit where credit's due about. And, and sometimes like, you know, you know, sometimes some of those same people would, would say later that like, they actually liked watching those segments. Cause like they could tell that he'd like really like carefully listen to what they had to say, yeah. you know, and, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't just being dismissive and, you know, and he was, he was really, uh, he was really good at that, uh, and uh, and and he and he was just a, a genuinely you know compassionate uh, person, genuinely thoughtful person, and he uh, uh, you know it, it definitely didn't hurt that you know that I mean he was also like you know definitely the funniest person that I've known. Yeah, um, you know, again, just the way that he would deploy his comedy in order to disarm people while also getting a point across. Uh, second to none. And I think it just spoke to his visionary nature, right? Like, and again, I'm not saying that to no, but it's basically deify the guy, but like he was visionary about this specific purpose, you know, not that he was visionary in every single part of his life, but this specific mission of advancing the cause of poor and working people he definitely understood like, yo, we need to get different kinds of people saying the message. Um, we need to de-emphasize the morality of all of this. We need to identify who the common enemy so clearly is. And, you know, we need to have a message of inclusion, solidarity, and not this poindexter shit that a bunch of other people want to do that is so alienating to so many people. 
right? Um, who would otherwise be down with us? And to me, that was the guy's greatest strength, his vision for what, you know, what direction we should be taking the cause ultimately. And, you know, that's what I'll always remember for him for. Of course, he was a generous guy. Of course, he was thoughtful. Of course, he cared about people. But, you know, I think what he was doing, what, what he dedicated his life to, um, just admirable in the way he, he carried it out. And, of course, we're all, we all lost the day that we lost Mike um, a year ago uh, yesterday. So thank you, Ben, man, for coming on. I truly appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. Please plug some of your stuff. Tell the people um, where they can find you, please. Yeah. Uh, so write a column for Jacobin, uh, jacobinmag.com. Uh, host a show called uh, Give Them an Argument. Uh and just you know, search for that on YouTube. I guess that's what everybody uh, everybody does anyway. Uh, you know, nobody really types in the URL uh, or or wherever you get uh, podcasts. Uh, you know, wrote uh, wrote a couple books. Uh, most recently, canceling comedians while the world burns. And um, most importantly, uh, on the show uh, once uh, once a month, uh, we uh, we talk about the Sopranos. Uh, yes, sir. With uh, with with you and uh, and Nando and uh, and Mike Racine, uh, so um, that's always like unlocked by the uh, by the end of the month. But you know, give them an argument. Patrons can uh, can get it early. Uh, so it's 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 very uh, going. You know, taking a really slow tour through the uh, through the show. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm very happy to uh, to do that because you know going. You know, I mean, I'm I'm sure. Um, and that itself makes me like you know like I had ten thousand conversations with the guy about the uh, about that show, right? <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you so much, brother. Of course, anytime. And um, that's our show for this week. We'll see you guys next week. I think Nando will be back from his European excursion by then. Um, for Ben Burgess, for the producer Sean. I'm Big Wise. We're out of here. Peace.